Welcome to the Standing Up to Pots podcast, otherwise known as the Potscast. This podcast is dedicated to educating and empowering the community about postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, commonly referred to as POTS. This invisible illness impacts millions and we are committed to explaining the basics, raising awareness, exploring the research, and empowering patients to not only survive, but thrive. This is the Standing Up to POTS podcast. Hello, fellow POTS patients and gorgeous people who care about POTS patients. I'm Jill Brooke, your horizontal host, and today we have an episode of the POTS Diaries, where we get to know someone in the POTS community and hear their story. Today, we are speaking with Claire, who has kindly volunteered to share her story so that the rest of us might benefit. Claire, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Jill. So let's start with the easy stuff. How old are you and where are you? I'm 46 and I live in Port Campbell, which is southwest Victoria in Australia. Okay. Can you tell us what the season is there in Australia? Here it is spring as I talk to you. Yep, we've just entered autumn, which is obviously much better for obvious reasons. (laughs) So I wanted to know more about Port Campbell. What is Port Campbell known for? It's actually one of the most beautiful places in Victoria and it's along the Great Ocean Road, which if you Google, there's heaps of information. So just very, very picturesque, very different from where we moved from, which was central Victoria and much, much hotter and drier. And obviously as a POTS person, not very nice um, for symptoms. So um, just a very beautiful part of the world to be. Very nice. Okay, so tell us a little bit about you. What are you into? What are you passionate about? I've always been very passionate about the things that I do, and they just seem to change quite a bit, depending on what's going on in life, I suppose. Right now, I'm very passionate about gardening, being in my veggie patch, which I've adapted to be able to do with pots. And I've kind of walked the path of being an advocate for people, and I've now turned that flashlight on being an advocate for people with chronic illness. Ah. So I also have a dog I'm very passionate about and obviously a lovely husband and beautiful friends, but my passions are quite limited compared to what they used to be. Yeah. Before we get into your POTS journey, you had mentioned that you had been an advocate for other people besides patients in the past. Do you mind talking about that? Sure. So in history, I was a personal trainer, yoga teacher, mindfulness coach. I did a lot of retreats, uh, mindfulness retreats in Australia or overseas. So I help people through that to bring a bit more mindfulness into their normal life. Then we moved into um, a small town in central Victoria and I became a volunteer with the ambulance service. So we would drive the ambulances. You get trained to a a minimum standard so you can help the paramedic, but there's not enough funding for two paramedics. So one is a volunteer. So I and my husband did that and we loved it and went back to uni, trained to become full-time ALS paramedics, which we did. Then obviously I helped and advocated for patients through that job. So um, yeah, I've continually kind of worked in service, if you like. 
Yeah, that sounds really intense, volunteering to be on all of those emergency calls. Yeah, it's good. It takes a certain kind of person, obviously, but I really enjoyed it. Helped a lot of people and really got a lot from helping people in that way. So how would your friends or family describe your personality? Well, I did actually put that question out to them because it's not something that um, I think you think about. So they all would say that I um, like to help others and I'm compassionate and caring and have always put others first. But also that what came back was driven, determined, headstrong and I asked the question about pre and post POTS and the answers came back that none of the focus has changed. I just rested a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good to know. Okay. So here's one more question for you. I'm going to make you focus on yourself for a minute and brag about yourself a little. Can you tell us something you're good at? I think I'm good at adapting or I like to use the word pivot quite often. So when I hit a stumbling block or some adversity or I can see others that have that, I like to work through a how can you change a situation for better? And, you know, it might be a, a big thing or a little thing, but I like to work that that problem. And that's obviously getting pots. I've had to do a big pivot, but I also like to play devil's advocate and see things from all sides before making decisions, which I think has worked well for me and to be able to help others. That's great. Speaking of pivots, I'm wondering if you can tell us what your life looked like in the year before POTS entered. Can you just give us kind of a snapshot? Sure. Sure. I was working as a paramedic, which is a 40-hour week where you work two days, two nights. And... In my spare time, I would have been doing activities such as, you know, bushwalks, lots of yoga. I was still running some retreats and generally just being very active, reading a lot, um, driving, going places, mountain biking, just doing, doing, doing. So it sounds like an interesting combination of things when it sounds like you'd have two days and two nights of really being on, ready to save people in terrible emergencies, and then being sort of focused on mindfulness the rest of the week. Did you kind of go back and forth between a very zen experience and a very high adrenaline experience? Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. I did have to focus a lot on maintaining that balance for me. Probably 80% of the workload, it's not all saving the day, but I got a lot of satisfaction from going to, you know, the little nana who's fallen down. I got a lot more out of that than, you know, big car wrecks and the high intensity jobs. Okay, so you were going along doing this and then what was your first sign that POTS had entered your life? So I actually injured my back at work. I had a few weeks off where I literally went from bed, bathroom, kitchen, couch. So I rehabbed my back and then went back to work and, you know, being a typical personality type, I wanted to do the first job of the day and it was a man that had fallen off a roof, so spinally immobilised, you know, lots of care and attention. 
an hour code one down to the hospital. And by the time we got to the hospital, I couldn't get out of the back of the truck. My back had all gone into spasm again. I had an, a few more days off, went for a rehab swim and got out of the pool and collapsed, which apparently is very typical of pot. So my onset, I can put down to the second because from that moment, I had all the symptoms but I didn't know what it was. And all I knew was that I was able to, you know, go and see ECGs where my heart was doing crazy things. And then it would settle again. The people that I worked with, nobody mentions POTS. So I was kind of like left to fathom this out myself. Didn't know whether, you know, I had a heart condition or I didn't know what was going on. But fortunately, being in the healthcare service and being tenacious like I am. I researched and researched and I got in front of doctors and was admitted to the hospitals. But of course, lying down in a hospital bed, mm-hmm. you're fine. And then <laughs> they'd release me. And it wasn't until I actually put up on a paramedic forum, 43 year old female presents with X, Y, and Z. And I went to bed and got up the next morning and I had probably, you know, 30 messages mainly from the US saying well typical POTS presentation what am I missing and I was like what's Ah, POTS so I googled and found all the uh, information and absolutely ticked every single box so I'd gone to see a cardiologist and had all the uh, stress tests and the ultrasounds and the CTs and when I went back for a referral I said could it be POTS and he said oh no you don't fit into the late teen female so I don't think so and I said okay well who would know so so I got a referral to Chris O'Callaghan who is kind of the lead person in Melbourne certainly to see in the interim I was also seeing an endocrinologist who had done all the tests and come back yep you know there's not, nothing else showing up and I said to him could it be POTS well, you don't really fit the demographic possibly and I said well who will tell me definitively he wrote a referral to Chris O'Callaghan. So they wanted you to be sickening instead of 46 in order to be convinced it was POTS? Exactly. Okay. Fortunately I was diagnosed within four months um, and that was purely because I had documented everything since getting out of that pool. I had documented symptoms, um, colour-coded charts, heart rates, blood pressures, absolutely, you know, everything. So when I got my appointment with Chris, which was a 12-month wait, I forwarded all of this data and said, you know, I'm a paramedic, I'm off sick, I don't know what's happening, I need to be seen. There was a cancellation that I actually got, which I'm so grateful for, because I walked out of that appointment having got a diagnosis, which um, was secondary to my back injury. So I was fortunate in that respect to be able to be still supported with work. But it's been a very long process coming to terms with it and recognising all the, the factors that attribute now to my normal daily life. So how is your life different now than it was before POTS? How much did you have to change? Everything. I tried for a year to get back on the the truck, if you like, to get back into being a a paramedic. 
So I worked for 15 hours a week, shuffling paper, if you like. I managed a project, but I was, you know, I worked from home. I did the hours when I was well, but I was finding I was only working. I didn't have any good times just to do something that I loved because I was always, I don't feel great today. I'm supposed to work. So what I'll do is I'll work tomorrow. And so I was just working on the good times. I tried for a year to get back into work but I couldn't even lift the monitor without being tachycardic I couldn't hear a pager without suddenly having an adrenaline rush and then being very symptomatic so every day I walked up to the branch and I would get the mannequin out and like even after that I would need a rest (laughs) before I Mm -hmm. potentially started to even try to do CPR and I did everything like I've I'd up my salt I was doing the exercise but I was doing more exercise because I'd always been fit I kind of like set my base level a lot higher than I should have so I would go and do the exercise but then I would need two days out Mm -hmm. so I was doing a lot of boom and busting and um, then we tried different medications a lot we couldn't get a beta blocker that would work for me because the minute like I did sit down my heart rate would drop below 35 and then I would feel you know, the symptoms of that. So it was a long time for us to kind of get medications right and find the balance. We got a dog, which was great because my husband was working and I was spending a lot of time on my own, obviously. And we got a um, beautiful uh, Great Dane uh, rescue pup. Oh, how nice. Yeah, she was beautiful. She's about 14 months when we got her and had a terrible start and So I poured my energies into that. Unfortunately, she died, um, which was absolutely devastating for me. And that's when I kind of did a huge evaluation. Like I, I definitely hit depression with that. And I just thought, what is this all about? Like I haven't got my life. I can't get back on the track. I can't work. Lost all our black friends. And we decided we would move to the coast because the heat was such a trigger for me. Um, So we moved down to the coast and then she died and I just was like, this is crazy. And how long ago was this? That was last March, so a year. So just one year ago and that's it? Yeah, yeah. That's still pretty recent. That was when my dog died. I got pops in September of 2019 and we moved at the end of... 2020 and she was just by my side everything we did and it was she was the best companion and she was fantastic when I was on a flat day she would just curl up behind my legs and when I had energy she'd be like can we go out can we do stuff so it's as if she you know was in tune with me and then it was March last year that she died Uh, I was still doing the 15 hours with ambulance and that's when I fell into a bit of a dark, dark hole. And it, I took some time off work and I was working with a, a psychologist at the time. And she basically said, you haven't given your, yourself any time to grieve the life you've lost. You've just powered on. OK, well, if I can't get back on the track, I'll do this. I'll throw my energies into getting this off the, up and running. And I'll, you know, she said, you haven't focused on yourself at all. So she um advised me to take some time off which was the best thing because at the time I said no I need something 
But um, it was very, very important for me to take that time to be able to acknowledge, address, mourn what I'd lost and pick myself up and find my new balance rather than the comparison of, you know, the old, what I could have done. I went through the could haves and should haves and now I'm just, you know, very happy with what eventuates on the days rather than living to expectation. And I don't think I would have got there if I hadn't have had this huge event happen. So that sounds like a really big deal. So in one year, you kind of went from being in a very dark hole to, I think you just said, you tend to be more happy with what goes on. And I know part of what you've done is you've worked really hard to help others in your situation. So maybe you can talk about that work that you're doing, but also anything else that helped get you from point A to point B. Because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening right now who are in that dark hole and they're saying, oh, how did she get out? Absolutely. I think you've got to recognize where you are. That was the turning point for me. And from, I think the thing with me is I did a lot of research. So I got very stuck into POTS. Okay, I've got this label now. I've always been healthy my whole life. What does it mean? And I found websites and all the information I was reading stuff. I found the podcast, which I have to say has been instrumental in what I'm doing. So thank you. I listened to you interview Claire Seeley from the POTS Foundation, which she founded. Uh, so Australia have their own non-for-profit charity. And I'll just remind our listeners that Marie-Claire Seeley, the way that we met her was that she applied for a research grant from Standing Up to POTS and she won it. And she's doing some great research on POTS. She's starting the first POTS Foundation in Australia, I believe, right? So that's what you're talking Absolutely. about? Absolutely, yeah. So yeah. yeah, tell us how you got involved and tell us about that. Well, her story sounded very similar to mine. So the minute I finished the podcast, I went on the web, found the POTS Foundation and sent her an email and just said, I, I want to talk. We need to talk. <laughs> so um, from that I'm now working with them. Like I volunteer, we're hosting a the first in the inaugural POTS Foundation conference, POTS Unmasked, in October, and that's going to be for GPs and allied health. We're also hoping Wonderful. to be able to put up the recordings of the guest speakers, so patients and anybody will hopefully have access to the recordings. And that's been instrumental for me, like that's been, was able to give me such a focus. So I, I kind of sat back and I said, if I've got 15 good hours a week, what do I want to fill those hours with? And being able to advocate for other people with chronic illnesses, being able to share my lived experience and point a flashlight on POTS in Australia was a great thing for me to focus on. So through your interview with Claire, that's something that I've been able to throw myself wholeheartedly into. Oh, that's so good to hear. Yeah, it, it was fantastic. Any Everybody that's involved, I mean, obviously we need more people involved and uh, we need to be able to raise sponsorship um, so we can apply for grants and get more funding for research and advocate for patients. 
we're doing a series of info sheets for patients and doctors so you know it's very clear what the expectations are if you think you've got it if your child's got it there's a lot of information available in the US and England but not so much in Australia so we're making it our mission to make sure that you know it is on the increase and obviously with long COVID there's going to be more funding and more awareness so it's great to be involved with them. I've also created kind of like a coaching hand-holding service called Unmuddle where through lived experience and all the things I've put together to get me to where I am, um, I'm able to help other people that are going through similar. And a lot of things I've found speaking with people is the doctors will prescribe something, but the patients don't actually know why and they don't ask questions because they're just so relieved to have been validated and to be trying something to help them get through the day. So uh, a lot of the times it's just simply explaining why we need more salt or what the beta blocker is going to do and how mitodrine is going to help you, but it's not going to help you with these other symptoms. Because I think people think they're going to get a pill that will fix all the pot symptoms. I can imagine that probably one big service you provide is helping people get their expectations in line with reality, because I'm sure that a lot of people do at first think that there's going to be a treatment that is a cure, and it's not easy to get to that place where you understand that medicine doesn't work in reality the way it does in TV. Absolutely. And I I think as well, for me, having traveled down that path of trying all the medications and the exercise and food, like one of my main symptoms is being nauseous 24-7. Like I have a week where I might not be nauseous all that time, but most of the time I am. And living on two minute noodles and uh, crackers doesn't cut it like it. And I was such a foodie beforehand. Now, like having a a big bowl of salad, just I can't even imagine doing that, which destroys me because I I used to love food so much. But knowing that that isn't sustainable and you're actually making yourself worse, even though it makes you you stomach just having plain crackers, you have to turn your focus on to that nutrition because you're damaging yourself. And I did a lot of work of if, like, what's my purpose now? I always had a purpose of helping others through, you know, exercise, retreats or mindfulness or then paramedic practice. But I had this opportunity to kind of reinvent. So what did it look like? What did I want to do? You can't do it in one sitting. Like it is a lot of work. And I've got some great books that helped me get along and through that dark patch I went through. And I didn't reach for medications. Like I did have two psychologists that I spoke to, which were really good, but I did 90% of the work myself. And I think that's really, really important. It's hard, but you have to get to that place yourself. Yeah. So just to make sure that everybody understood that correctly. So basically you had the presence of mind in your dark hole when you were feeling your worst to say, I need to reinvent myself now, but this is an opportunity. Absolutely. And it is. As much as that sounds bizarre, so I hate how I feel right now. I hate not feeling like I have purpose and not that I'm not worthy now. I used to help so many people and now I can't even help myself. I can't walk to the mailbox some days. 
you know, I can't eat. I used to be a foodie. I am certainly not interested in going out, seeing friends, building on relationships. I really didn't enjoy where I was. And I thought, well, the quicker I get myself out of this, the better. How do I do that? And it took me six months of being very disciplined and looking at different things like, what do you love? What do you want to fill your time with? What's going to put a smile on your dial? And it's like, like, I love gardening. But if anybody walked past, they would think I was just insane because the way I garden is by crouching down and crawling around because the minute I get out, I'm symptomatic. So I can be in my veggie patch for an hour as long as I stay down and crawl around and I, I can plant seed. I don't do any bloody hedge trimming or tree trimming or digging but I do what I can and I absolutely love it. And I feel that, you know, yes, I'm a gardener and yes, I can do that. And somebody actually did say, I'm so jealous of you being able to do that. I can't do that at all. And I said, that's rubbish because you can, <laughs> you can do exactly what I can do and just get somebody else to do the other stuff. It's reframing. It's all about reframing. It's like I used to love to cook and now I'm fortunate to have a huge veggie patch so I've got an abundance of tomatoes at the moment and I make chutneys and people would be like, oh man, I couldn't do that. And I'm like, you could if you sit down. I have a machine that chops and stirs and does everything for me. But rather than thinking oh, I can't do it how I used to do it and I'm very limited now, I can't do it. I take pride in producing a chutney even though I've only done 5% of the work, but I claim it. Of course I claim it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're not doing all the work, you have other people who help you. Talk to me about the people who help you in your life and what is the best kind of support you can receive from other people right now? My husband is my biggest support. He's amazing on so many levels. He does a lot of the manual work, but he also keeps me in check. I have alarms that go off in my phone. So the next one will be at 10 a.m. and it says Gardening Australia with a smiley face. And that basically means I have to have a break from whatever I'm doing and watch a segment of Gardening Australia. So a few months ago, the tag with the alarm said have a rest, which now says Gardening Australia. And I changed it because if I was doing something I enjoyed, I would ignore it and I'd be like, I feel fine. I'm just going to carry on. I don't need to have a rest. No, normal people don't need to have a rest. I don't need to have a rest. And then what was happening is I'd continue and then I'd just bust and then be flat for the afternoon. And he said, why, why don't you watch your Gardening Australia segments in that time? So I was like, oh, oh yeah, I could. So I changed the alarm to say, watch Gardening Australia. And I'm like, every time it goes off at 10 o'clock, I'm like, oh, great. What's Costa doing now? You know? <laughs> so I, I'm actually doing something that, that I want to do, but I'm, I've changed it into a positive, whereas really I'm putting my feet up and having a drink and having a rest. Yeah, that's really smart. Exactly. That's the reframing you were talking about. So instead of stopping what you're doing, you're proactively doing something. Yeah genius. I'm still doing something I want to do. So I feel like I'm winning. And with friends, I, I limit my time to be having conversations. And if a friend comes over and he comes and he sees that, you know, actually, I know that Claire's alarm will have gone off and she's ignored it because somebody's here. He'll actually say, is it, you know, time up? Have you had a rest? Mm -hmm. And 
he'll tell me, I think you need to have a rest or don't do that or have a break. And he makes me feel good about having breaks rather than feeling limited. And he's my biggest, biggest advocate. There's a 151-kilometre walk along the Great Ocean Road, which I've been doing in small segments. But if I said I want to do the whole thing, he'd be like, excellent, how do we do it? Let's do it. So he's my biggest advocate, which obviously keeps me flying high and is a support. In other ways, I've got, like, I have somebody that helps cleaning and doing the stuff that needs to be done that will take up all my energies. And that's a huge help and absolute godsend to me. My friends come to me now. I don't often travel out because it it takes too much out of me. But they'll come and they'll come for a weekend. But they are all very supportive of the when the alarm goes off. That's it. It's break time. Like, <laughs> so I think it's it's recruiting your people, and rather than seeing it as a bad thing, get them on board and get the support, and it just makes things so much easier for you. Oh, that's what I found anyway. Yeah, that sounds really smart. Do you have any other tips or tricks or life lessons to share with any listeners? So many, so many. I think that the biggest thing you can do is recognize where you're at and recognize what you want your life to look like and then put in place some small steps to help you get there and just try and go to sleep having found a couple of positives through the day. And that's at all levels. Like I've been very debilitated with this. And then I have some really good days where, you know, nausea, fatigue, tachycardia are the only symptoms. But then other days I've had 28 symptoms. But every single day I try to find some gratitude for something that's happened in that day. And it makes a big difference. I really do believe that. But there are so many supports and people out there that just to let people know that they're not alone and anybody who wants to reach out just for a, a helping hand and, you know, some kind words, there's a hundred people that will support you. Yeah, I've almost thought it's a bit like a network or a networking group in so far as everyone is so supportive and so kind in my experience and that I guess we still are a small enough crowd that it seems like anytime anyone reaches out, I think they get a response. I know that when people reach out to standing up to POTS, that they get a response from, you know, all of us immediately. And I imagine that there are communities out there nowadays that are too big for that to happen. But our community is still grassroots enough that it can. And that's kind of nice. And it sounds like you had mentioned earlier that you still at the POTS Foundation in Australia still need people to volunteer. Do you mean that if somebody's listening right now, as you were then, that you actually would want them? Absolutely. Get in touch. What are you looking for and how would they get in touch? The organisation and scientific committees that we've put together for the conference, we're all volunteers and obviously we all put in as much time as we can and efforts, but we're always open to more people helping. At the moment with the POTS Foundation, it's still new. So it's a great time to be getting people with skills and knowledge that want to help raise awareness and build the sponsorship and donations. We're still at the very beginning. You know, 
we're never going to knock back help if anybody wants to help. It is a, a slippery slope with some of the forums that are available. Is that it's hard to not feel sorry for yourself and to go down a bit of a dark hole and to be analysing everything and to be scared and withdraw. So the POTS Foundation is very pro-positive. Like we're going to make sure that people in Australia do have the support they need and in a very positive fashion. So absolutely, if anybody thinks that they'll get a kick and some reward from getting involved, I'd absolutely get involved. You know, that has me thinking about there's an upside and a downside to having the whole POTS movement be so young. The downside is that you and I and everybody out there does not have that many people who came before them making the way easier. But the upside is that there's still a lot of need for volunteers if it would be fun or meaningful for you to get involved and help. Absolutely. It sounds like you have been a bit like me, where you have found great meaning and great improvement through becoming part of that. Yeah, very much so. And having the history of mindfulness and exercise and nutrition and then getting into the science field is a bit of knowledge is good most of the time, but also can be detrimental. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just making, being able to advocate where necessary and just making it a really simple process for people to follow and to get information. So that's the aim of the POTS Foundation and also everything that we we do independently. So that is so wonderful. Now we just have a couple minutes left. Can we do a couple speed round questions? Sure. What is your favorite time of the day and why? So I'm an early riser and I absolutely love spending the first hour of my day with my dog, usually just sitting outside, listening to the birds and watching everything wake up. That is a very special time of day to me. What is one word that describes what it's like living with pots? Unpredictable. What is something inexpensive that brings you comfort or joy? I'm going to say a bath. Oh, very nice. It's the palm in me. <laughs> what is something you're proud of? I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of being able to support others even through my own adversities. Mm-hmm. Who is someone that you admire? I could say numerous people in media, but I'm going to say my girlfriend, Teresa who strives every day to be the best version of herself. And I love that. Very nice. Have you ever had to sit down or lie down in a weird place because of POTS? And if so, where was it? Yes, numerous places. The best one would have been I had to stand on public transport and I could feel myself about to go and I spoke to a couple of people and said, is there any chance I can have your seat? And three people said no. Oh. And I actually hit the deck (laughs) and then came around and literally everybody was stood up. Have my seat, have my seat. And I was like, oh, no, I'm fine now. It's it's reset itself. I'm fine now. (laughs) I'll teach them. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I reckon they will definitely be standing for anybody that looks a bit peaky. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> I just have one last question. What do you wish more people knew about POTS? I really wish that people didn't think it was just as easy as having a bit more salt and water. I've had quite knowledgeable health professionals say that to me. Oh, you just need a bit more salt in your diet. Oh, okay. Yep. That's the cure-all. <laughs> so I just wish that people didn't think because it's an invisible illness, one, that it doesn't have huge implications on people's physical and very much mental health. And two, that the treatments that are out there are so different for everybody. There really isn't a one-size-fits-all and we just need to keep raising the awareness of what it does mean to people, hopefully to get a bit more understanding and compassion from people that don't know how this affects life because it massively does. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, thank you for all the work that you're doing. I'm really honored that on this podcast, you heard about Marie Claire Seeley and contacted her. And now you have joined Team Pouts Foundation Australia. So now you are raising awareness and funds for research. And that's the best thing is all the amazing people in this community who are so determined to make their experiences mean something. And so Thank you for everything you're doing and thank you for sharing your story and insights with us. And I know that everybody listening is just wishing you all the best going forward. Thank you, Jill. You have been instrumental to my path. Absolutely, 100%. So thank you. Yay for all the nice people in this community. So hey, listeners, that includes you. Thank you for listening. Remember, you're not alone. And please join us again soon. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Consult your healthcare team about what's right for you. This show is a production of Standing Up to Pots, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You can send us feedback or make a tax deductible donation at www.standinguptopots.org. You can also engage with us on social media at the handle Standing Up to Pots. If you like what you heard today, please consider subscribing to our podcast and sharing it with your friends and family. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts or at www.thepodscast.com. Thanks for listening.